man sees the world through a bizarre kaleidoscope of illogical wonder. Radio <laughs> X. So that's the sort of thing I do to distract you when I say something unacceptable. Russell Brand. <laughs> Ray X. Yes, this is the Russell Brand podcast. For right reasons, some of the music choices have been cut down to only about five seconds long. Um, there ain't no music choices, except there's a bloke in it later on pretending to be Elvis with me in the podcast. It's Matt and G. You're right, guys. How's it going? Yeah. yeah, we're good. That was a good show. Yeah, great show. Pre-records are always strange, aren't they? What well, have you got? Hay fever. Hay fever's Same here. Hey, started bad. what in the last like two minutes? I um, no, I've, I've had it all all day. Russell's so. released some spores. Yeah, <laughs> some of my spores were released when we changed clothes. You're you coming see. from a country with your little spores, and we're allergic to them. Do you know what the people say? And you're like this, G, because you're a poet. That nothing rhymes with orange. Yeah, well, it does. What sporange? What is sporange? Thing with spores in. There you go. I've just won the podcast. That's another yeah. thing you've won, because last week you won that thing that everything, uh, that man saying all invention and innovation is merely an amplification or evolution of pre-existing technology, like travelling is walking, and you, mm. you went the nuclear bomb, and then you said you, you went the nuclear bomb, we've now got the power to destroy the world, and then you said you did a little blow-off and did a little slow hand clap went... In your face, granddad. Difficult boy to teach. Sucker. All the girls from my university... So this is a podcast, as you know, we slow down a little bit here, we relax a little bit, and some say the quality of the content skyrockets. If you like this uh, podcast, there must be something wrong with you. Now here... <laughs> well, you've sat down like a little newsreader. That's right. Do you think so? I sit down every week, have you not noticed? You stand no, up. No, you stand up all the time. Right? up and yeah. you play with your willy yeah. through uh, your trousers. Looking like Mussolini. <laughs> but that'll soon change. <laughs> What do you mean? I'll I'll pick a little hole through. No, you'll just start getting even more lax and just come in here and masturbate. <laughs> it's only a matter the whole of time. Show. I tell you what, the lighting's nice in this seat. I'm glad I've sat here because I can see myself on Facebook Live, not Facebook Live, the screen that ultimately provides the content for it. Good-looking experts are seen as more interesting but less able. Brains and beauty won't get you ahead, according to a new study. Having both these traits means that people will see you as more interesting. But a new study claims good looks could also make people think you're not as competent as your less attractive colleagues. I can see that. What do you mean? Well, if you, yeah. If, if someone's good-looking, you'd make a certain judgment, I think, because you think... You've sailed through life being good looking. You haven't had to try as hard. Who's an example of a very good looking expert that we think? Well, well what about a friend of the show, Dr. Christian Jensen? God, he was gorgeous, Jessen. wasn't he? Jensen. Jensen. Yeah, well, you think he's so gorgeous, he's sailed through life. Well, actually, I think he, because uh, he's all buff and stuff, I think he probably studied to be a doctor, then got on telly and then went, hang on a minute. You know, when you see yourself on telly. Mm. Whoa. That straightens you out. What about what about Andy, Andy Peters? Do you remember he was on telly when we were kids? Yeah. Remember yeah. Why did you shout that in such a peculiar way? Because oh, he's but, oh, but Andy Peters. <laughs> because he's so buff now. Have you seen Andy Peters? If you want to so, right, Google or use any Craig search David engine. Sort of tried to go right. I'm look. Take me seriously. Look how buff I am. I don't know what Andy's motivation was. Matt, all I can say is I saw him in a gym in Los Angeles and he was a hulking, sculpted, beautiful brute. Well, he's come out of the broom cupboard and now he reckons himself, doesn't he? <laughs> he reckons himself well hard, just Peters. What? Let's have a look at him. But he's still got to... Andy Peters' face. <laughs> well, he's, gonna, he's not going to be able to make that muscle his face out of shape, is he? He's, got, he's stuck with that. He's not Stephen Hawking's exercising his that left cheek muscle beyond all question. He did all right, doubt. all the broom cupboard lads. This yeah. from Andy Crane. Crane. Where's he gone? Let's get him Where's on the show. Where's Crane? Schofield's, Schofield's gone, Schofield right. be good. Schofield's good. Schofield Peters. came out as great. What was that? Gopher. Go- go- Gordon the Gopher. He weren't real, mate. He didn't do well. He, he, yeah. Ed the he Duck, he was in there. Ed the Duck. Then Who? Then 
Anstis. Toby Anstis. Anstis. He's all right. Steve's the antelope. On the Presents around the corner, he does. He's got a slight lisp. I like Toby him. Anstis. I like him a lot. So do we trust these good-looking experts or not? So what, you, pre- Matt, you prefer an ugly expert? Yes, frankly. <laughs> but ugly. Yeah, not to Hideously the point where ugly. it's distracting. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking hell. These researchers, man. These researchers at Cambridge and Essex universities. They found women are really interested in scientists' looks. That's what they're saying. Lead researcher, Dr. Will Skylark. And who's going to take his research <laughs> seriously? <laughs> oh, I will Skylark. What did you say? <laughs> you better take this research seriously. I will Skylark. Well, no, honestly, take it seriously. We're relying on these figures. Skylark. Will Skylark goes, <laughs> uh, given the importance of science issues, it could have a major impact on society, climate change, etc. So we should be taking it really serious. We know from studies, what I have done, that political success can be predicated, predicted from facial appearance that people are influenced by how someone looks. They are, though. Look at that Macron in France. People love the fact he's good looking. Is he gorgeous? And what's his name in Canada? Trudeau, Justin Ooh, Trudeau. Is he lovely? They say that it's more sexist about women when they... You know, well, man's looks aren't important. Comes are up they? quite a lot. Why don't we? Quite a lot. So looks are really influencing us, are they? Yeah, always. Yeah, but like in America, right? You can't get on telly if you've got if you don't look quite beautiful. Like, so they don't really cast mm. normal looking people. So the standard of what's normal is being continually elevated. So then that you look at like some clips of like sort of not the main new. Actually, even yeah, CNN and Fox, right? Everyone's the women gorgeous. look like stunning models. models. <laughs> And the men look like those sort of silvery, sort of nice granddads. Yeah. Like, no one just looks like a normal person with normal teeth. Mm. So that must, in the end, you just think, well, anyone in authority has to be gorgeous. Slowly we're being indoctrinated. I, I don't see. think it's a big conspiracy. It's just like things People get... People respond to symmetry. Yeah. We're just responding to symmetry, mathematic dictums in our own mind that we're not even fully aware of governing us. Constantly guided by geometry. Well, that's what they were saying about they got the picture. Is it? Is it Jane Austen's going to be? Um, her picture's going to be on one of the n- new notes. Oh, yeah. And the picture they've got of her is like not an actual representation of how she looked. They've really prettied her up. Have airbrushed her up? Something like that. Yeah. It, well, that defeats the object. What's the point in honouring and exonerating Jane Austen, and then it's Pamela Anderson on a fiver? As <laughs> well, like put proper Jane Austen, what she actually looked like. I always think that when I'm watching historical drama, when they're doing a sex scene or everything, all these people have had dirty yellow little gnashes, like Matt Morgan grinning away at Courtney Love. Mm, yeah. And and they would have all been very smothered in hair and stench, wouldn't they? Yeah. So don't think, let's go back to Dick Turpin's times and live it up with some wenches while we're highwaymen with no moral code or awareness of gender equality or the irresponsibility of promiscuity. Because actually, <laughs> what you'd be doing is fumbling around in a big blood of old stink <laughs> with your yellow gnashes caught up in someone's arm ears. So if you think that's a way to spend a trip time travelling, think again. Although I would have loved to have been a highwayman. Mm. But then sometimes, like after the war, so basically in what industrial war? Second World War, right? <laughs> What's it good to, for? Actually, the First World War. What is it good to, for? For to get uh, troops food, right? They had yeah. to put things in tins, and that's the beginning of like you know 
food that lasts for ages in tins and mm-hmm. like food being moved around great distances. Before where that, people going, ate Millie? food that had grown where pretty near to them. Where are you going? Where I'm going is talk to a dentist or a hygienist, baby, and they'll tell you that teeth are much harder to clean these days because of processed food, not natural food, and sticky stuff in food. I'm not blaming anyone for that. And like... <laughs> Your teeth are harder to clean. And I'm so always got worse t- teeth in some ways. You threw a gauntlet down there, Matt, and and it was the the talk to the dentist because the face ain't listening gauntlet. Yeah. And I'm always talking to dentists, and that's why I that's propose a new society where dentists are shrunk down little, or, or <laughs> people that are naturally little are encouraged to be what dentists. Is this? So all this their comes lives. up in the podcast that people mm. have heard in the yeah. radio show. Yeah, but you are. I've got a petite vehement. dentist. Dentists have to be little. Vehement about it. You've had a bad experience, tell me. Yeah, with a big dentist. A big yeah. man with sausage fingers. Dr. Swan had no business prodding me in the tonsil, stretching the inside of my cheeks out like a hot air balloon. Whereas this lady, Josephine, oh, it's like little mousy's hands. You've on just the found teeth. a good dentist, that's what it is. She's a petite dentist, and while I'm laying there and I'm not talking, I've got a lot of time to study exactly what it is I'm enjoying. And what it is, is a lovely, she's an elegant lady. Is she pretty? Well, hold on a minute. That's, don't she might listen to this? She might have this on in the surgery. She might be poised at an important point in a root okay, canal if, surgery. If, 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 We're hanging on lip. the precipice. If it was a little man. Would you like it? No, okay. because a little man. I don't want his fingers in my goblet. When we say little man. Do we like a gnome or not a, a gnome? That's too stout. A short man. I want a. Sl- if it was a little man, it would be an elegant and slender man, like a little fairy man. Sometimes you know? if I get Nails. a massage, right? A Your massage, the normal one. Yeah, <clears throat> um, it's better to have a man because they're Much stronger better. and they get into the muscle a bit more. But then sometimes you get a woman who's really good at it, and they've got a more instinctive feel for where you need to be massaged. Oh yeah, not like that. <laughs> not like that. So sometimes you know, Matt's new catchphrase. Not like that. <laughs> like He's that. straight in there. That's what I say in the massage when they go too near my bum cleft. Right. Well, you not like, like that. Get that out of it. You leave that alone. That's for me. I'm like Yuri Geller trying to bend their hands down with, <laughs> with my mind. <laughs> no, I don't have massages. I'll give it up. I'd have, if I was going to have... massages because my back... Now, a massage, them. that's where you will have the sausage-fingered farmer. That's where I would have a big, burly farmer, rounded shoulder. He don't even need to be able to talk. He could just grunt. <gasps> right? And I'd say, hello, farmer. I've had issues with my lower back. But don't forget the thighs. Pummel away as you like. A nimble-fingered dentist and a stout masseuse. I was in Slovakia once at a spa hotel, and they have weird treatments there, right? And one of them, you go in this room, and it was like you sign up, and I just tick the boxes, and it was like water therapy or something. It was a huge man, a, like an Eastern European sort of big Slovakian man, right? Mm. And I had to stand against the wall, and he had like a, a huge hose that was sort of mounted to a like like the front of a ship. Right, it looked like it would be made to look like the front of a boat, and he had like a water sprayer thing, and it was so powerful. And then you'd stand, and it would go onto your arms, and it would go all down, and you're naked. That's like the beginning of a and prison if it had movie. hit you in the balls, like, you would have like, I mean, it was really powerful, <laughs> and. And I and he was laughing while he was doing that. <laughs> <And> honestly, <laughs> old, old civil rights movie, isn't it? <laughs> he was weird. hosing you down. Hose me down, and it was like I was just thinking, this has got to be a wind up. I've yeah, come in this room. What was he wearing? Me, nothing. No, him. 
like sort of spa suit. You know, like a sort of a white, like, a, like, oh, yeah, like an orderly. Like an orderly. What was the yeah. name of the massage? You have some special sort of. It was like, called like hydrotherapy or water pressure therapy or something like that. It was in Slovakian with bad English underneath. It sounds to me like the sort of process that occurs before someone's admitted into a mental hospital. You know, like your host. Lift my head and tie me to a chair. Fairly <laughs> powder. Protect your weird, tongue. It was weird, honestly. It was weird. And all I was thinking was, if that hits me in the balls, I'm going to die. And so I was going... Did you cut the balls? Well, I put my hands in. He was going, look, put your hands out. Like wow. that. He was telling me, you're meant to stand there, like in a star shape. Guantanamo style. Yeah, it was proper, like, brutal. But, like, it felt nice when you were facing away from him and it was on your back, right? But it was when you faced him, and then, and also your willy goes really small because it's thinking, because it's cold water spray. Any minute, any minute. Hey, I'm out of here. If he bosses, you're on your own, son, with this admission to the loony bin process. Crawls back in. Uh, I don't blame I'm going to Google that and see if that's a real thing. It doesn't sound like a real treatment. It's probably a video of it somewhere. (laughs) People are getting off on it. Yeah, so there's probably people enjoying your torture. I once went to a place, it was like a spa. And it was, no, you didn't. I did, mate. And it was meant to be very sort of hydrotherapeutic, electrotherapeutic, grease lightning. And when I got there, they said, you're having this treatment where it's oil being tipped on your head ever so slowly, on your third eye, which is on the forehead, not where I'd asked for it. And like <laughs> they were tipping that oil all over my third eye. For ages. And the fellas that were working there, they looked like one flew over the cuckoo's nest cast members. They were wearing sort of like white tunics and they all had a misty-eyed air about them, like looking off into the middle distance. And they smothered me in a corn oil. And they drip it slowly. All over my third eye, dripping in oil. Some of these trees like hot stones and stuff. They've been made up in the last ten years. They're cooking it up out of nowhere. I tell you what I like, cupping. I've heard that. Oh. (laughs) On. (laughs) Cuppy, cuppy. I like a little cup. I've never had cupping, though. It's nice. It's a little, like, they put a hot cup on your back. Oh, it gives you it such a suck. It gives you a little red circle. Now, look, I'm going to run this by you, and you tell me what it, it indicates to you about my psychological state as a young man. Okay. I let the water run out of the plug over the bath, and I sat on the gl- gurgling plug. Clunk, 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 sucked clunk. your bum. It sucked my bum. Cheek and, or hole? Cheek, mate. Cheek. I oh, was a don't little look kid. at me like I'm the pervert. You, I tell you what, it was the bum cheek, right, right in the main cheek, not, not the the ch- chimney flue. It was like on the cheek. <laughs> cool. <it. laughs> oh, Captain! I've got a pain in my chimney flue. <laughs> <laughs> Merry so, Christmas! In you I come. I actually heard a horror story about somebody who swam down in a swimming pool and sat on a pool filter that yes. was sucking water out, and it sucked their innards out through their bum. It hurt for the first 10 minutes, but ultimately became pleasurable. There's a person there at the door. Um, I'll tell you something. Well, anyway, I don't think that... Anyway, I was a young man, and I explained to my mother that I'd had a love bite on the bum, and I showed her it, and she was very worried about me. (laughs) (laughs) Was she not worried there's a woman going around with a perfectly circular mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Who did this to you? This a love bite. I claimed it was a love bite, but it was a lie. No, no, but did it mark your buttock? It gave me a love... I got a a love bite off the plug. Oh, you were lying to your mum. You you put stiff... Now yeah. called Sif all over the toilet and told her you'd spunked up. <laughs> I was you wait a minute I was in that bathroom, it cued a pack of lies out of me, didn't it? Getting sacked off on the bum by a plug, oh, jiffing myself oh, senseless. Yeah. I've got a little love bite on me bum cheek and I spunked up a load of jiff all over the all over the place. You're gonna have to clear it up, love. <laughs> But I think you'll find that the toilet will sparkle like new afterwards. <laughs> Good work, Sif. Well, that's a podcast. Our work is oh, done. Dear. Thank you for listening. If you think Sorry. that was good, all of that. Five stars, please. Five stars. <laughs> not, let's not get discerning now, this late in the day. 
With Sky Broadband Superfast, you get reliable broadband here. <laughs> Smells good. There. Morning. <sighs> and everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Get guaranteed Wi-Fi in every room or money back with Sky Broadband Superfast. So reliable, it's minion-proof. Sky. Believe in better. Requires Sky Broadband Boost and Sky Kit in fibre areas only. Speeds vary by location. Minimum 3 megabits or refund on boost component of subscription paid during current minimum term up to date of claim. See sky.com slash guarantee. Russell Brand. Radio X. Hello. Oh. Yes. You're listening to the Russell... You rode that what? beat well. What? You rode the beat well. I then. thought I did, yes. Actually, I mean, it's in my blood somewhere. I mean, I think... I mean, I, I, <laughs> hip-hop is sort of an important part of my life, as listeners to this show will know. And by this show, I mean the Russell Brand Show. It's 11 o'clock-ish. It's Sunday morning-ish. Are these systems of categorisation reliable? Is there such a thing as a day of the week when you're on Mercury? Is there a Matt Morgan when you're on Venus? Is the conglomeration of cells that we call G real if you're coming at this from another dimension? Just some of the questions we'll be answering over the next couple of hours in retrospect because this is a pre-recorded show because we're all at uh, Noel Gallagher's birthday, oh, like, which is, a, like I mean, well, you are. I'll have gone home by now, Max, as you it's, know. It's a two-dayer. It's a two-dayer. I assume two-day things. No, I'm going straight home. I'll go there for a couple of hours. I'll try my best, very, very best. I just bought a pair of smart trousers. <laughs> and uh, so I've bought smart trousers for it. Have you? Yeah, I felt like, made me feel really young buying a pair of, thinking about it now, buying a pair of smart trousers. Itchy sort of trousers from They're my... a bit itchy, yeah. Like, you know what consumerism does do? It makes you feel better about yourself. I know. Like you consume an object and like it's a temporary little spike. Have you been doing any consumerism, mate? I buy little things off Amazon to, I shouldn't say Trinkets. Yeah, or be. other... Massive online stores. Yeah, like, who else is there? Who else? Is it fine? It's fine. Yeah, but who else is an online massive I know, store? No, there isn't one. They've <clears> monopolised <throat> Well, you it. can go Argos do same-day deliveries. Go on, Argos. Go on, lads. You can do it. <laughs> At the end of this two-hour, uh, so let's call it a philosophical musing on meaning, G will summarise it using poetry. You feeling all right, G? You feeling good, feeling good, yeah. So do you feel smarter with your smart trousers? Do you, yeah. I, I, I mean, I suppose it's a sort of, uh, like... Yeah, I do. When I like, since I've been living this rural country life, I've been wearing clothes such as I'm wearing now. Rags, basically rags, Hindu-looking rags. That's what I wear in the warm weather. That's what I gravitate towards. Left to my own devices, without a guiding force such as fashion, I would wear little no, singlets. That's not unfashionable, isn't it? Do I no. look nice? But that looks like you've thought about what you're wearing. You've got a little. Yeah. What is that? Skirt, can we call it? We call it a skirt. A little skirt, like got a little pair of midriff. Con- I mean, it must be cool. You got funky beads. Yep, that's yeah, right. It's not like you're living in a country like Bear Grylls. Mm. They're wearing survival Dang. gear. Yeah, but you are be able to survive in this you gear. You look like you've walked off a catwalk. Do I? Me. Well, that, yeah. I think a lot of that's just pure. Falling off a catwalk. If there was you no want, grace. Pushed off can, a catwalk. <laughs> do you know, like, this is weird, isn't it? Like, all, my physical appearance, please. I'm always talking about, as you know, the uh, sort of the arbitrary nature of physical grammar and the sort of lack of meaning on the physical plane. But if we were to do a simple thing, Matt, like you and I swap each other's clothes, like I wear yeah. what you're... If we just now, I put on that, them garments you're wearing and you put on mine, I think it would blow my little socks off because Matt's got a back-to-front baseball cap on, a black T-shirt. He looks sort of like an American teenager really don't that's you? what i was going for uh so yeah like i think uh like if we shall we swap clothes is what it, I'm basically yeah. saying you know that this medium is purely uh auditory 
I've never understood how radio works, Matt. I think I've made that clear. If we've learned one thing about me over the next decade, it's that I don't understand how radio works. But Wow, people just tuning in. If you're thinking this is crazy, I'm wearing his clothes and he's wearing my clothes. <laughs> uh, but we could, like, we'd take a little photograph of it and we'd tweet issue it. it. We right, could take a before and, we could tweet it. We'd do a before and after Look photo. clean pants on. Quite nice. They're quite nice. We won't go, we don't need to do our underwear, do we? No, um, shall we? Do the whole hog, man, yeah. No. Do it like, make it like face off. Change faces. No, we can keep our pants Mm. on. That was silly. I don't think John Travolta and Nick Cage are different enough to warrant the premise of the film face off. Not that I've seen the film face off, but I know they swapped faces, did they? Yeah. Right. Watched it years ago. They're quite similar, aren't they? They're both American movie stars. I know Nicolas Cage and he's very nice. You do know him. Oh, you were in the film, weren't you? Speak to him. I could speak to him if I wanted to. In fact, he gave me that necklace of Ganesh. See yeah. that? Is he a Buddhist? No, and no, this is a Hindu be. symbol. Is Ganesh. Oh, I don't know. Oh, disrespectful of my necklace. <laughs> Show that necklace the respect it deserves. Over the next... he's, a, he's a Hindu? No, he's not. He just bought it for me because he's like... Uh, he's Figured you'd like that, it. Isn't, he? isn't it Hinduism something to do with Buddhism? No. Well, you said that they're the same part, different size, the same coin or something like that. You're always coming out. No, with. they're not. They're really not. Well, like, but Buddhism is the, like. Who's the little fat bloke laughing? <laughs> He's having a lovely time. Who's that one? <laughs> I it's, think that's Russell Grant. Now, to stay puff, man. hold on a second. Hold on a second, because I've got to just tell you what's coming up on the radio show, listeners. Uh, we're going to be talking about male grooming as a result of something Matt's done. <laughs> we're going to be talking about beekeeping as a result of things I've done. We're going to be reading some of your emails and some lovely news stories. Keep things like. This is basically, let's consider this to be a light-hearted sorbet to take us away from the difficulties of our time. This is escapism with an undercurrent of love, right? Yep. We're not trying to tackle the world's issues, not for the next couple of hours. This is this is escapism. Here, I've had an email from Lily Tyson, which is a name I like. She, Lily oh, Tyson huh? from Lancaster. It's lovely, isn't it? Because Lily, so feminine, a delicate and floral, Tyson, Tyson Fury, Mike Tyson, nice. Hi guys, long time listening, and I'm a member of the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society. I wear it like a badge of honour, pin pin. I wanted to ask if you have a copy of the debunked sketch you made years ago. It used to be on YouTube, but since disappeared. If you do have it, please post it somewhere so I can watch it again and have a good giggle. Cheers, keep up the good work. Uh, I remember debunked. That. I played. It was like oh, yeah. a. It was a version of Punk. Actually, Gareth, Gareth Drewston directed it, as I recall. And like, a, I played a version. Brilliant acting by me, Ashton Kutcher. That's right. I played a version of him. Oh my God! I totally debunked you. And instead of punking people, we debunked them. And you. Played, I believe, a concert pianist whose hands we chopped off and replaced with pig's pig hands. Pigs, we well, one hand with a pig trotter. And I think it was actually a very compelling and brilliant sketch. Like many of our sketches were in them days. Like we did a sketch once where I do you remember we were friends with Tim Westwood, the big dog Tim Westwood, for a while. Mm. I liked him a lot, and I went. Do you remember I went around his house and I dressed up in his clothes, and then I, I did an impression of him a lot of the time, and we did a sketch about that as well. You added a sort of crow man element to the which that was your idea. Randomly that, go. That was your idea. We did an impression of Tim Westwood. This is the, yeah, okay. This is the big dog Westwood, like a standard Tim Westwood impression. But then you said, Matt, I remember you saying this and thinking, I like the way this man's mind works. Go, what if he always is trying to resist turning into a crow at all times, <laughs> and every so often he can't resist it, and the crow goes, so you're listening to me, the big dog, and this tune going. Like he was overwhelmed. It hurt him not to be a crow. Yeah, he's constantly <laughs> fighting against a crow that's trying to realise itself through his him. Crowish nature. Didn't you two star in something where you were both naked, wearing masks at the bottom of some stairs, no, crawling we didn't around? Star in that. 
We made that ourselves. We made and made some I mistakes with some friends we met. <laughs> <laughs> mistakes were made. Me and Matt were naked at the bottom we of the We used to do world. weird stuff, and then we'd sh- but our agent would give us, oh, not a lot of money, but some that money. That pocket money, yeah. Then we'd like put masks on and then be all naked and do weird stuff. Mm. Not like that. It was not sexual. It we would like put on masks and play games with children's toys. And I, I would like no, to that say, that's awful. We were. It does. It sounds bad, doesn't it? We, felt, but I think we were some of the great underappreciated we geniuses made surreal of our time. Art pieces, and then we sent them. Yeah, I saw. Went, I saw a few of them, and now Adrian would say this is not useful. You can't use this in this contemporary media. Telly, and so. it turns out he was right. I know. We couldn't. We but couldn't. we should f- put them online. I'd like to put them online because I think... What about that thing where I, I was a man called Jack Scratch in pyjamas in a bed and there was a giant telly, uh, teddy bear and like a terrifying thing happened in the garden and then uh, and, uh, and, and then it, everything was just from a book about Denmark, a tourist brochure from Denmark, yeah, the whole reality. Should, I mean, this just sounds like madness. Right. Yeah. Okay, People could really see it. Oh, if they could see this work. It should be yeah, on the internet. We should have gone that way instead of going uh, wherever we went We into. could have become some of the top artists of our time instead of which, what did we do? irritated people for money <laughs> thank you Lily Tyson for that um, we'll put on a record now shall we and then after that we'll talk to you Matt Morgan about grooming G will be uh, toiling away on a poem male grooming oh yeah male. We, we, obviously when we say Dressed grooming an American teenager. we mean self care <laughs> we don't mean <laughs> slowly lulling someone into a false air of security uh, let's listen to the Arctic Monkeys who are prepared to gamble that on the dance floor we would look perfectly pleasant Radio X Russell Brand that was the Arctic Monkeys there uh, that's a song that they done once uh, this is uh, from Alfie Hi, Russell, Matt, G, loving the show. It's wonderfully refreshing, arousing and empowering being able to listen to you on a Sunday morning. I was wondering if Mr. Morgan had any advice for a young, aspiring writer. I'm currently finishing my final script for my Masters in television and radio script writing. I need help and inspiration to get me through. Alfie, Matt, do you have uh, any advice? I was Googling the difference between Buddhism and Hinduism to try and claw back something. Some dignity. Seems there's a big crossover, guys. <laughs> Matt, instead of helping young Alfie... I'm not going to go any further, but I wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> There's a young man here who wants your advice on on his, his aspirant career. Right, what? <laughs> yes. Instead of yes. which, you're trying to discern the distinctions I once read between an two ancient faiths. To this, Danny Dyer, right, in TV mm. Quick or something, mm. said, what advice have you got for young aspiring actors? Mm. No, honestly, he wasn't joking. Mm. He said... Don't pretend to be something you're not. Be yourself. It was Shane Ritchie. <laughs> it wasn't. It was Nick Berry. It wasn't. Was it? Danny would never say that. Not Danny Dyer. It was one of those Cockney people. It was Danny Dyer, I'm pretty sure. No, it he, was The it was worst Nick advice Berry. for a young actor. <laughs> Just resolutely never pretend to be something that you're not. Yeah, but then actually that's worked for him. Yeah, it has. Yeah, go on, what's this thing? What should this young aspiring writer called Alfie writer. do? Right, damn you. Just sit down and write. What's his... What's do you know what Richard Curtis says? If you want to make things happen, make things. Yeah? Mm. It's Richard Curtis. Stop sitting around, Alfie, on your and, uh, degree. And what's his name? Um, Bruce Robinson, who wrote with Nolan. and I had a thing on his typewriter that said, write it, damn you, what else are you good for? <laughs> I used to help him. You've got to just keep writing, 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 and making sense out of the nonsense, and something of yourself... Like, you've got to lose yourself writing in order to find yourself. Yeah. And then something will come out. I think the hardest thing is to turn off your inner critic that's going, this is rubbish, why are you doing it? Why are you bothering? Yeah. No one's going to read this, that's not funny. Because 
I can't remember who said it. It was a famous quote about the first draft of anything is S-H-I-T. And it's true. You've got to just write something and then hone it. Writing is rewriting. See, Alfie, there's some valuable advice for you there. You've written books. You're a better person to speak. How do you get through your books? I don't want Alfie to know none of my techniques. <laughs> I like to keep the book market nice and closed up, sewn up by old Russ. If I can prevent other people learning writing... <laughs> no, I agree with what you're just saying there. And also, he asked you. Like, cause there's a lot of people, Matt, look to you as a kind of guru. I mean, like when I'm on the road Why? doing stand-up comedy gigs, I'm incessantly uh, approached by people from the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society. It's reached a degree of popularity that's concerning. <laughs> Mostly to me. They're really into it, like they go, like, like, and they use it, and like the way they talk about it, it sounds like there's quite good infrastructure. Like, hello there, I'm, uh, like, I'm Dean, I'm from the Matt Morgan Appreciation Society. Listen, I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes, if I may, for our in-house magazine, and like, That's well, like the police. And then someone else said, like, uh, oh, hi, I'm from. Well, at the last Matt Morgan Appreciation Society gathering, it was we discussed whether or not we were gonna. Like, I mean, this seems like they really know what they're doing. And why do they talk to you like sort of a, a just a pest who bothers me? Uh, I'm the conduit to you. That's silly. If you are some sort of uh, Jehovah figure up in the ethereal realm, I am Moses coming down with tablets going, yeah, Matt reckons this now. And what I don't tell them is, Matt would rather you just (laughs) off. I (laughs) encourage them and tell them that Matt loves them. I go, yeah. I do. I I don't look. I don't mind. I like it. It's You like to be appreciated. But why don't you go on Twitter? You should go on Twitter. No, it's too dangerous. To because I, you know always, what? I, I don't get messages. Think, here, listen to this. I don't think we live in very safe times to say what you think or even just joke or anything like that. I think it's dangerous. I think, you know, like if you work in the media, it could end your career. Hey. I think what it is, is there is such confusion and latent antagonism that anything that comes above the parapet becomes a convenient target for these sort of yeah. somewhat lost feelings of agitation. Like I read something about someone making a sort of a, sort of a glib comment about Manchester, yeah. which was you know, it's a stupid thing to do. But the amount of rage is, is not proportional to the glib comment it's mm. the rage of feelings of loss confusion yeah. bewilderment and pain it's like mob bullying as well like because i know you're i think you're talking about I know, american I think, I think bullying's, bullying's too strong a word bullying is, is implying that they're actively thinking of doing it i think that it is a case whereby when situations like this occur that there is a feeling of fear a feeling of anger people trying to process their emotions and because you can't process the, the dude that did it's gone you know what i mean yeah and the police are on lockdown in terms of trying to find out what's going on so that that emotion has to be channeled somewhere else I think as well that what you're talking about, Matt, with the nature of celebrity and what a risk it is to sort of talk in public. Katie Hopkins has been given the old Evo, hasn't she? Because yeah. she used the word, words final solution. Now, like, like final solution as an idiom, like, is so correlative with the... Uh, did, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah. It's poisoned. Yeah, I can't think of, like, you know, it's interesting to, to try to imagine other idioms that are similarly um, yeah, but loaded. I think you could possibly use context. those two words it, in conjunction absolutely. with Absolutely. It's not that, because I've like, yeah, it's not that final solution can uniformly refers to the, to the Holocaust, but it's just Katie Hopkins, a person that's previously yeah. said that thing about cockroaches, uses language like swarm. 
Like, you know, I think it's sort of increasing. Like, I remember when I first heard that phrase, dog whistle racism or dog whistle sexism. I sort of thought, what does that even mean? But it, what it means is that we've people have worked out there's certain things you can't explicitly say, but there are ways that you can signal to people. And now when you look at footage like that's used in that documentary, The 13th, about uh, racism in America, when you look at sort of presidents in the 80s talking about crime it's clearly they're signaling a racial message it's good to look at look at it in the context right. that, that it's in because i would never have realized that because you know crime means crime but if you look at the way mm. crime is coming into our communities we must stop this crime over images of white families you sort of think oh my god i see how that works subtle now. propaganda yeah. Um, so I understand, Matt, why you're not on Twitter. Also, the other thing is, and the sort of truth of the matter is, that comedians have a kind of obligation to talk at a pitch that is challenging. And, like, I think it's understood and consensual. Like, no, I don't mean that. That's a joke mm. to go into that kind of territory. Yeah. But the, there is a sort of a, a censoring, foreboding instrument, a mechanic in place now that prevents you from doing that. Says, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to do that. We decide how you react to that. It's fierce in politics. It's fierce in entertainment in general. And it's how culture aligns itself and maintains itself. Yeah. It's a, but there's like a <clears throat> there's like a minefield at the moment of offence, right? So like there's a picture of you dressed as a circus ringmaster and me as a mermaid, right? Mm. And um, I love I, that I image. Send that to that you. doesn't I, have no meaning, does it? I bet you if you put it up, because I'm dressed as a woman, essentially... Mm. Like, I don't know, someone... You've got a pipe. <laughs> I've got boobs and I've got and a, pipe, a tail. Though. I mean... Yeah, it's difficult to categorise. But some, like, I was thinking, oh, I'll send that to Russell, it's funny, and I thought, oh, no, I don't, because I'm dressed as a woman. Someone will say, that's transphobic. Obviously, it's not, but once someone's said it, and then mm. you've, you're in a situation where you're having this dull conversation with someone, and that's why I'm not on Twitter. Because we're in a difficult position because we're boring. sort of we are white males. So like, uh, oh, that's a difficult position, is it? I'm not days? anymore. <laughs> Tough stuff. <laughs> You'll t- never know, G. Exactly. What white the, males the, go through. The pain that you guys go Please through. Please be quiet, G. <laughs> <laughs> white <laughs> males <laughs> suffer in a way that you can only dream of. So difficult. I think we should get like a I don't know feed, feed the world or something for white like that. Males? Yeah. So white males, white professional males. God help the white males. And do you know what's going to help? white males, I'll say. <laughs> Not those old ones. Ugh, filthy. They smell of wee-wee. No. Time now to keep white males in their position of authority and power with a little bunch of guys <laughs> to drug you into a stupor <laughs> that I call the adverts. Russell Brand Radio. You're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. Because we're pre-recorded, it's probably a bit weirder and madder than usual. We're celebrating Noel Gallagher. I think Radio X is celebrating Noel Gallagher. Right, 50 years old. Wow, 50. That's half a century of him we've parked with. And what have we got out of it? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a racket. Now, you're probably thinking, can't we raise the tone of this whole thing? Are we thinking that? Yes. Or do we want to drag it into... All right, I'll raise it right up. Here is Alan Watts from a compilation of his works called Becoming What You Are in a short essay, take me a minute to read, called Lightness of Touch. Chesterton... Time me. Chesterton once said that because they take themselves lightly, angels can fly. One sees so many faces dulled by seriousness, which if it were born of grief would be understandable. But the kind of seriousness which drags man down to the earth and kills the life of the spirit is not the child of sorrow, but a sort of play acting in which the player is deceived 
into identifying himself with his part. There is a seriousness in the play of children, but even this is different, for the child is aware that it is only playing and its seriousness is an indirect form of fun. But this seriousness becomes a vice in the adult because he makes a religion of the game, so identifying himself with his part or position in life that he fears to lose it. This is especially so when the unenlightened man attains to any degree of responsibility. He develops a heaviness of touch, a lack of abandon, a stiffness which indicates that he is using his dignity as stilts to keep his head above adversity. Alan Watts there saying that life's an illusion, so uh, have a jolly good time and don't take it too seriously. Felt longer than a minute. Yeah, it did. And I was going to actually interrupt It you. probably was only 30 seconds. It was a maximum of 30 seconds. Now, the tone has been raised right up there, Matt, and it's pertinent in a sense because, well, for a number of reasons. One, because you won't go on Twitter because you don't want to in case you get sort of censored or get some sort of uh, media backlash. Also, this is a time where we need to incorporate joy and we need to keep that conversation of joy open. And what I think Alan Watts is saying is that... I read this brilliant thing in Moby Dick. Have I mentioned that I'm reading Moby, yes, Moby Dick? Moby Dick. Moby Dick. about, wow, it's a big, bloody great big thing. Enormous as white as you like. Oh, I love him down there in the deep lurking about. Hey, I'm real browned off. I'm obsessed with killing that whale. It's doing my nothing. Well, uh, in Moby Dick, there's this thing where it says, the body of a man is like the lees or the dregs in a glass of wine, that there is something greater. There's something greater than us, something that we're only sort of tangentially or fleetingly able to understand, to glance perhaps in a hallucinogenic or religious experience or in a fleeting moment of love, something that's just out of our reach. He's saying that the totality of our consciousness is more than the limited realm of consciousness that we occupy. That's how sort of Alan Watts can say don't take life too seriously. Now, obviously, that doesn't apply in the context where you're sort of like, you know, if you're grief-stricken or you're dealing with actual pain, but as a, as a sort of a meta for living, to be aware that, God, if it, just on the sort of, I think, on the sort of basic and, and understandable material plane, if time is limitless and space is limitless, both of these sort of human boundaries with which we understand our existence, then what's the point of taking anything seriously really at all? But you know, it's interesting because he said children, when you watch children playing, they're serious, right? Mm. <clears throat> My daughter's one and a bit and I watched her and she was putting balls through a hole, right? Just picking them up and putting them through there. And they don't do it gleefully, like, woohoo, this is fun. They do mm. it like it's work. Like they, she, I think babies look around for little jobs. Like, right. oh, I'll, I'll get all these little toys into this pot. And they'll do it quite seriously. It's almost like they're driven to do some sort of work or some, you know, not hardship or something, but it's just like a repetitive thing, yes, right? Think, and they find it pleasing. So I think, you know. Do you think sometimes that they're looking to see what impact they can have on the world? Like, I feel yeah. like my daughter, she wants to do stuff that has a response. She's like, e.g., raking her nails down my face. <laughs> yeah. So she thinks, oh, that's good. That, or sort of getting hold of my lip. And Mine does that. Yanks it around, she does. And then when you go, ow, no. They, they look they at look you like, you're the problem. Ooh. And then they do it again. Yeah. They don't think, oh, God, no. They're just learning cause and effect. Yeah, but they, they learn, oh, it hurts him. They're psychopaths. Oh. So I may have gone out and got myself a pair of fancy pants like a dandy dan to male groom myself into a state of, um, what do I want to say, sort of self-acceptance or something, using consumerism there as a sort of a little bolster. When you say them. fancy pants, do you just mean like shiny sort of... They've got embroidery on them, mate. You'll see them tomorrow. Down the sides, mate. You'll see them, no, throughout. <laughs> like, I think they're good. I don't know. I, you know, sometimes, like, you know, so don't you sometimes, when in any shop, even if it's just a regular supermarket, I go into a sort of a hypnotic stupor, so I don't know what decisions I'm making when I'm in there. I can't remember why I'm there, what's going I on. I can't go shopping. Like, my wife can go in 20 minutes and get everything we need. I go in and sort of 
like I'm in a dream. Yeah, I do. You need to have the mentality of a task force. I think you need to go, right, we're going in there, we're getting bread and apples, and then we're getting out of there. Yeah. Like, I sort of go, go, oh my God, look at that. Sort of picking stuff up, like running pistachio shells through my fingers and that. I, I'm, yeah, I'll just be, oh, it's marshmallow paste. Oh, do we need marshmallow paste? Nice I'll look paste, at it for ages, it? read what's in it, then walk around. But they say you should never go shopping when you're hungry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or stoned or drunk. Don't go in there in any altered state. Although, one of the things that I miss most about hallucinogens is its great capacity to turn the world into a playground. <laughs> like, like, so if I went into an Asda, other shops are available, like in Iwickham, it was unbelievable. It was so enormous. And I sort of the thought of doing it on Iwesca or Magic Mushrooms, which I wouldn't endorse because they're illegal and drugs are bad, which seems like it'll be like a palace of limitless wonder. Just to go aisle after aisle. Out, having wet yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Wee! I mean. <laughs> Come on, chat. I'm free. I'm finally free. And I think the same thing goes on with uh, like the clothes shopping. I'll be in there, like, sort of, and I sort of think, well, do I like these trousers? Do I look nice? And I suppose you try on trousers in front of a mirror and you imagine yourself in a slightly different context. What do you do? I've noticed that men do a thing in the mirror when oh. they put something on. What? They'll do a like, little pop your shoulders. Thing, or they'll go, yeah, play a little guitar. <laughs> they'll do a little thing to go, yeah. Yeah, because I suppose trying on clothes is like a little. I sort of, what I like to. I do like a few sort of Kenneth Williams. Oh no, stop it! Put my hands on my hips, do a few Jagger thrusts. Then then I imagine that there's some bees in the room, sort of swat at them for a while, leap behind a couch, and then I hand over the credit card. What about you? I just bend over and suck a lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) This works for me. Yeah, so I've got them trousers, but I don't know how they're going to cut it in the real world. We'll be able to discuss in the very next episode of this radio show how those trousers went over. And what about Matthew Morgan? You've been uh, tanning yourself to within an inch of your life. Well, I wish it was as simple as that. I've been spray tanning myself. Why? So I've got a nice base tan, G. Okay. Yeah? I, I never noticed these things, man. Oh, no, when people say they got base tans and t- I don't, I've always got oh really okay fine well look. tell me how it works well you go to a lovely lady mm. <laughs> and you go in a little room in the booth and then she sprays you she but sprays she you down like you're a car yeah but with a bit more care than that are you what you got on nothing a little pouch a little no a little pair of pants like made out of paper made out of no, a actually, shower my, hat my in hospital. real pants you wore your own pants did you yeah. pull them up your bum crack no, I just I've got a very obvious uh, white bottom. Yes. <laughs> why, what, what, why did you, you do this? Because my wife was having one. She said I'm going to get a spray tan, and out of loyalty, I thought, well, do you know, was what? it loyalty, mate? And vanity, I said I'll get one too, so it doesn't look weird that you're brown and I'm not. <laughs> what? I don't think that I've had one before. I had one for my wedding. Was that sprayed on like that? Yeah, it's How good. How do you feel when you're in there being all sprayed and you're just in those pants? And it's a human being doing it. Because I had one, look, I'll be honest with you, it's not as if I'm like sort of living in a, in a hut in the woods. I had one once, but in them days, it was just like a thing. It was a bit more like like a Kubrickian futuristic booth. Like there a was car a thing on the floor thing. that went, malfunction, malfunction. Like, you know, just sprayed me up and down and off it went. And it was very anonymous. And I was nude in there, just sort of stood there getting sprayed up. I think that was a spray tan, mate. <laughs> and then they said, "Do we sign this form so we could use that footage?" I'm <laughs> not so like um, what you were in there with a human female, yes. And she sprayed you down for like what looked like she's a like a beautician person, like a spa lady. Any small talk? Uh, yeah, 
What about? Well, you know me. I'm stood there awkwardly. Go and on. also, I've got really bad when she goes, put your left leg forward, your right leg back. <laughs> I go, oh, hang on, wait. Oh, okie-cokie. <laughs> yeah, and you do all that. And then you sort of have to, you know, like put your arms at quite funny angles so she can get it all. You have mm. to make your hands into claws. Like, wow. You have to do claw hands. Yeah, so there. that the stuff can land on the right... Why are you looking at me like that, Jim? Because it's, this is like stuff that white people do. This is like the craziest yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an unusual thing you've done there, mate. It's, it's an not unusual. Thing. Men are out there. Have you seen Towie? Yeah, seen it. I've. <laughs> 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 Whoa. No, no, I have ago. seen Towie, as yes. a matter of fact. Well, and well, I, I prove there's nothing wrong with a man. Turning himself a little bit more tanned. I myself, on long winter evenings, have been known <laughs> to make my way down the winding staircase there in Balmoral with your late father, Majesty. Okay. He and I would then take okay. an emery board from between the clefts of our buttock <laughs> and scour the parlours for a stray animal. And perhaps when that animal was sufficiently aroused, take the emery board and file the tip of the penis down till it's like a <laughs> stick of bright and rot. Rock chopped off nicely so you can see the cells within it. And I'm the weirdo for having <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly I see some of what I didn't get on with. <laughs> we swapping clothes. What's that, mate? Because I'd rather do it before you get all sorts of dirty sweat and ah, green Matt stuff and on. I, Radio X listeners, me and Matthew Morgan are going to live each other's lives for a 24 hour period. I'll raise his kids, he'll raise mine. He'll live in my house, I'll live in his. I'll go get fake spray tans. You'll sit around meditating while secretly thinking, oh, what's the point? What's the point? Loving point, <laughs> hyacinth bouquet. No, just, and we'll swap clothes for the last hour of the show. We'll do it in the last yeah, hour. What you don't want me to get too sweaty and clammy? Yeah, but your clothes touch your body a lot more than mine do. What does that mean? Oh, what I'll are be yours getting... doing hovering off you. <laughs> yeah, they are. My aura's holding mine at a sufficient distance. A little foot up on the... Exactly. Yeah. What's wrong with that? That's not going to do that. So, who cares? Johnny Vaughan comes here. Here, this ain't the rich, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's Stop have a scratching look. yourself in the trousers that I'm soon to wear. I thought we were going to have a male grooming expert come on the phone. Can't we find a single male grooming expert? Or an expert on male grooming. You've had it all done. Yeah, I have. I have, Teeth mate. whitening. How do you have that done? Mate? Actually, I don't have them whitened. I just scrub them. Oh, wow. You're I was in the dentist. No, these are my normal teeth. I had the filling the other day, and uh, I got the lady. When when it was, I don't. Firstly, it's undignified. All those people with their hands. It's undignified. You've got your headphones on the wrong way. <laughs> so you're what? pushing your ears forward. You're like a weird <laughs> hippie Prince Charles. Undignified, is it? Let me have a look at the camera and see if <laughs> it is it. undignified. Tweet a picture of I'm that. Looking. I bet you won't. Cause you're so vain. I will. <laughs> If you think that's undignified, have a look on Twitter. It'll be. <laughs> I look... That's not that dignified, is not that is it. That's a man who would benefit from. I don't know if I can put that up on Twitter because. Why not? Ah, see, you're oh, too put, put it on Twitter. I no one's going to go, oh, look care. at his ears. They're being pushed forward by headphones. Yeah, I don't mind what people think of oh, me. Oh, now they're wrinkled over. Oh, <laughs> this is depressing. <laughs> it looks like a crash hat that I'm wearing to protect myself before I wreck myself, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, but look, that one's all. I hate that when someone's got their headphones and their ears bent. Scrunching and they have yeah. I don't like it when someone that... wears a cap and like the cap is folding their ears over. I want to go up there with a lolly stick or perhaps an emery board. That's what yours is doing and now. And flick it into shape. Yeah, look I at say, your mate, ear. 
Right. Like a little letter C that's collapsed. Everyone that's listening, from now on, this is the deal. If we see someone what's wearing a baseball cap and it's folded their ears over in a way what we don't like, we go over there and we flip it back in with a lolly stick. And that is a pledge that we're making to heal Britain. All right? We're going to be talking to a male grooming expert later. His name's... uh, Rick Lavender. Rick Lavender will be on the show that's shortly. A cool, that's a cool name. Why not? Give it a chance. Man wore Home Depot apron to steal air conditioners, says cops. Police say a man donned an orange Home Depot apron and posed as an employee to steal air conditioners in New Hampshire. The man loaded two air conditioners into his pickup truck in Plasto and went back inside. This crime's taking place all over the shop. But a manager noticed the name of the garment didn't match that of any worker in the store. Also, it appeared to be a woman, as it had the name Shannon on it, and the fella, it was a fella wearing it, along with flowers drawn on it. So it's not even the right kind of apron. The manager called the police and later acu- and the accused told the police that he didn't know anything about air conditioners. However, a Home Depot apron was found in his back pocket, released on bail. How'd you get a whole apron in the back pocket? Yeah, it would have to be made of very thin fabric. It's just hanging out like a... I don't know anything about that crime. Swoosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a big aprony tail, like a sort of an apron leopard swooshing around behind you. What's yeah. wrong with your mush? I mean, in a way, it is ingenious to go into a shop and pretend to work there. It's been done in various contexts. We know Lee Francis has done it. He used to mm. go into Curry's and Dixon's, dress up as someone who worked there, just film himself there all day, which I thought was And admirable. they let him do it once they'd busted him. Well, they could carry the bloke, on. He said, oh, please, can I just work? And I've always wanted to work. And I'm like, no, you can go to the front, but don't talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable, really. It's lovely, really, isn't it? And then, um, what's his name? The more Kim pre- Noble. Kim Noble. He'd done that. He used to just sort of dress up in B&Q clothes and then tell people all weird and baffling stuff to mm. unsettle them. There's a thing in, that, um, you know, the Hero's Journey or whatever it's called. Yeah, sort of Joseph Campbell. Con- yeah. Called... Um, wearing the enemy's skin and it's part of like myth you know Ooh, like it's a stormtroopers in star wars yes like luke skywalker dressing up as a stormtrooper is a sort of modern or i say modern that's 40 years old now mm, version of it 1977 40 no. years ago long long time i'm 40 this year no 1977 no, all the good things happened no they didn't it was a terrible year oh, i remember yeah, it 1975. Well. oh good year good year no is it oh it was one of the greats 1977 star wars no eraser head Led 70, Zeppelin were touring America. 40 Towers. Six pistols. Screw you. 77 was a dark time. Eraserhead, come... did I say that? Yes, you did. You keep shouting it and no one cares. Film. And that is why we need an advert to calm ourselves, to soothe our souls. And I personally stand by every single one of these products. <laughs> Not that one. This, this is... is. Radio X. Russell Brand. All right, we're back. This is Russell Brand on Radio X. Matt, what are you saying? But it's not the same thing. Buddhism is Buddhism what? in its... Or- Dr. Sarva... Oh, Brand on Radio X. going to be odd. In Dr. Sarva Pali Radhakrishnan's oh, work. <clears throat> oh, gosh. That's awful, isn't it? To hear that <laughs> mangled about. So Matt wants us to take him seriously on the origins of Buddhism. Are oh, you Dr. trying to say this person's name? Dr. Sarva Pali Chai. I can say, actually. Sarva Pali Radhakrishnan. Oh, God. Um, better, better in his words... Time. Look, let me be right for once. <laughs> Buddhism, in its origin at least, is an offshoot of Hinduism. Yeah, but the, but the Islam's an, in its origin at least is an offshoot of Judaism. Steady on. Oh, oh careful. <laughs> right, so listen to 1990, 1977. What a dark time it was for everybody. 
It's look at this Jubilee celebrations held on the 7th of June. What is this is 77, yes. Kelly eh? Barnes dam falls in the night. Oh, terrible time. No, Jumbo jets colliding. Wait, look at Opium like film and music. Introduced. Bowie. Last execution by gu- guillotine. Yes, yeah, see the last People one. People vomiting good. in the streets in Kent, complaining <laughs> of a foul smell. <laughs> when my mum had me in the hospital, the yeah. nurses were all crying. She saw him at the other end of the room, mm. crying and going, oh, he's dead, he's dead. And she thought I'd died, right? Yeah. Elvis had died. Well, then, well, when Elvis died? Yeah. Why were the nurses... jumped into mine. <laughs> 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 you can't rightly claim to be Elvis the Pelvis Morgan. I'm making that claim now. That's good, that's good. Uh, How many that's... identities are you going to go through? We've had <laughs> M- Matt Morgan Freeman. We've had Matt Moorman. Now we're having Matt Presley. Your mm-hmm. appreciation. Mm-hmm. Go on. I tried to do an Elvis impression, but well, I might Thank you very much. He was good. I never really got it. And then. He's got a great voice. Yeah. Elvis's voice is. I, I watched his version of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Nearly yeah. cried. Suspicious you Mind. You've seen him do live version of Suspicious oh, Mind man. in Las Vegas. Yeah. Hectic. Wait, can we play If I Can Dream? Yes, of course we can. Now, here, on the X playlist. To cheer us all up <laughs> is. Matt Morgan's dream, soul brother, <laughs> Elvis Presley. Well, I've had the tan. I might get my hair dyed black. <laughs> Why not? Go full, full on it. Because actually, wear, I wear Russell's trousers, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the full. That's the full suit. I heard on cowboy. the news recently that Elvis Presley is drifting from the consciousness of young people. That he is becoming. You think? Yeah, I, I read it as a thing. They well, don't I suppose he is, isn't he? Why would they need to know him though? That's right. They don't know who Elvis is. So. We're going to play it. Young people. And they'll go, this is horrible. What's this? Stop. I mean, they're not listening to this, are they? They're out there. They're out there. What's the demographic of this show? The elderly. Where's this primarily listened to? (laughs) In old folks' homes. Half a century old rock stars hobbling about, straining with an ear trumpet. Mostly playing in kitchens where people have gone out for the day and left their radio on. (laughs) <laughs> that's our listenership <laughs> tiles <laughs> tiles butcher's block if we're lucky and some flies yeah. rattling round in a corner of a room over its ears <laughs> oh daddy get me out of here I want some bone throw me a bone baby here's Elvis Russell Brand this is Radio X that was Elvis Presley that we just listened to then that was Elvis 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 because the producer said oh we might not be able to play Elvis balked at the idea of playing Elvis censorship even Elvis one of the great role models that's why he's not on Twitter he's the you know the beginnings of rock and roll not necessarily inventor you've got Chuck Berry people like that certainly appropriated it for the white community and we're still riding on those rhinestone coattails to this day didn't appropriate rock and roll. What do you he mean by that? Appropriated the blues and gospel. But he also appropriated country. So he's yeah. nicking it from everywhere. He's all over there. He's a right little magpie, hip thrusting superstar, wasn't he? Elvis Presley, the king there. Right. <clears throat> Matthew. Yes. Darling. Darling, Russell, what? What yeah. do you want to talk about? Uh, bees. <laughs> and you don't want to talk about bees. Well, it's the first thing that came to my mind when we were talking about it earlier. How's your beekeeping? Actually, my beekeeping's okay, but I want to actually talk to you about dentistry. Oh, yeah, you started saying about the dentist, saying you don't bleach your teeth or whiten your teeth or anything. What's going on in my mouth is entirely put there by nature, except I did once. You've had them bleached, though. No, never. You've had had Invisalign. 
Yep, that's what that, I have had that. I had them aligned. It's entirely nature then, is it? But, no, and it's not entirely nature because there was a time where my lower teeth were all clustering together like a little uncouth gang of youths. Wasn't one sort of stood behind him going, yeah, go on, guys. <laughs> yeah, you do the munching. I'll be back here if you need me. <laughs> one of them didn't want to participate. But he had to... Oh, hit. mine were terrible. Do you remember Courtney Love said, he's cute, but look at his teeth. Did she say that Yeah, to you? that's why I got my teeth fixed. Courtney Love? She... But I was very grateful for it in a way. What did she? So she, you just probably did a joyful little smile at Courtney last week. Oh, and it was as if I'd like pulled my bum cheeks apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! What is that? What's that smell? <laughs> What's he building in there? And then I had to go through a, about a year. Do you remember when I had a brace? Do you remember when I first had my braces on and they were huge? A whole, it felt like my jaw was like made of iron and then we went to a strip club uh, so it was a few years ago <laughs> spearmint <laughs> rhino i went in the toilets with this huge brace it was only my lower teeth because they were so bad right and then for some reason thought i mean because they have them in the toilets don't they you know like a little boiled sweet right i thought mm. i'll have a boiled sweet and then i'd just left you line it was all cool we're in a Where strip were we? club what we're country in spearmint were we in? rhino on uh tottenham court road terrible business yeah, but then uh, it was, I was having fun. And then I went to the toilet, had the aftershave, spoke to the bloke, and I thought, yeah, I'll have a little boiled sweet. I always eat a boiled sweet in the evening when I'm drinking beer. <laughs> put it in my mouth, bit into it, my braces went <laughs> like that. And what do you I mean? They all locked of, up on you? Bits of wire sticking into my cheeks. I had blood running out of my mouth. And then I had to go back and go, I can't go home. And all the girls were upset. <laughs> what? We, we, just thought, we just thought you'd had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to go home. Yeah, like that. And then I had to go outside. And I was like, I've got to get home. And, like, and I had to get a Swiss Army knife scissors and sort of try and fix them. Because it was Friday night and I had to wait till Monday to see the dentist. Oh, that's awful. It's it, horrible. You and I went home. your own gob up with gum drops. I was drops. cutting bits of wire off, bending things around. Because they were like jabbing into everywhere. There's blood everywhere. Why don't you remember this? I don't know what I was doing in no, that Matthew's spearmint. Matthew's a peculiar boy. <laughs> Just gone home with a mouthful of blood. <laughs> we always anticipated an ending of this nature sooner or later. Now, ladies. <laughs> um, like, I was at this dentist. Mm. And, of course, one feels vulnerable when there's people popping their fingers in your gob. I don't like it when the dentist leaves his finger in your mouth with his rubber glove on. If ever there's an example... goes and taps on the computer. Well, he does something else. Yeah, he's got his finger in your he's mouth. He's leaving one of his fingers there just draped over there. It's happened to me a lot there, with Like a Mark sock Hennis. hanging out of a drawer. Just like, just leaving it in there like... I don't know what, what he's trying to do. a placeholder? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, maybe. He's like thinking... I'm still oh, with you. Oh, that's K9 or whatever. They've got names for your teeth. Yeah, of course they have. Because if you have a K9 tooth, see how my little brain works. Oh. But he had his... Yeah, he left his rubber-gloved finger in my mouth for too long. And I'm like, like excuse me feeling like vulnerable yeah it does make you feel vulnerable now i don't agree with uh, any form of uh, creating a super society where people's jobs are allocated at birth as in aldous huxley's brave new world but my dentist she's a tiny lady and for me that's the perfect type of dentist you want she's tiny she's petite like australian lady and that's exact sort of person you want jabbing around in your gob slender fingers you don't want a sausage fingered farmer as like, imagine a sort of a portly, ruddy-faced fella, like would be good in ar- uh, arm wrestling. Yeah, did the farming community around? I, I'm getting really well with the farm. A dentist. I get on very well with the farmers. They've embraced me to their heart. But why are you complaining about farmers putting their things in your mouth? I'm just saying that in a super society where jobs are allocated at birth, right? Which would be wrong. Let's admit it. Slender. At birth? 
at birth, you're bred in this super society. It's all the snow. Uh, not all the snow. That's a person I played in a film. It's all, all, uh, in Brave, all New, world. In Brave, Brave New, world. New World. Jobs are allocated at birth. Oh, People I remember are bred. They, they took Soma or something. They took a drug. Keeps you jolly. Yeah. Well, like, so the idea of a nimble-fingered little dentist, that's, she's precisely perfect for that job. You're making her sound so tiny that she's... Stood on your chest, the weight of a butterfly, holding <laughs> a toothbrush like an oar. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's ever so elegant and delicate, so I don't mind her having a probe about in there. Now, you wouldn't want some sort of like sausage-fingered fella, like a big sort of jolly old Captain Why Bird's not? eye. Well, I just don't want... You can't even stand your normal dentist leaving no, a rubber-gloved finger. Leaving a finger in me like I'm some catalogue. <laughs> I'll be back there. I'm going to pick up one of those. In the, I'm going to get that carriage clock on Monday. But for now, let me just look out the window and see what the point in life is. Yeah, well, I like it. A nimble finger, Dennis. And when she's like, she's flipped out well, the old. She's a lady instead of a man. You don't. Well, basically, and same. a particular type of lady, a petite lady. That sounds even more What's sexist. Wrong with that? A pute- Hold on, but a dentist is a top quality job. It's not like I'm saying, you know, like it's a good profession, a dentist. I like having a petite, gentle lady just delicately <laughs> lowering herself into my trap in dental conditions. Like, so when it got to the bit where they'd excavated the old fillings of yesteryear, because let's face it, the mouth, the mouth is a cavernous secret. It's a real smuggler's cove mm. of filth and smut. And Martin Amos, as I've said before, says we live in the old goblet. That's where you see your consciousness. Not Matthew Morgan, perhaps. He keeps his consciousness in his spray tan. But like, I, I, when it got to the bit where she'd excavated fillings from yesteryear, I goes. I mean, obviously, I had to compose myself. I goes, let's have a little look in there. But I said it with like a, fa- a mouthful of her delicate little uh, ivory fingers. Hmm? Oh right, I thought you said scrapings. And also, I've been all numbed up. Also, the, the, oh, the sucking machine. Yeah. My girlfriend says she's allowed to operate her own sucking machine when she's yeah, in I've the dentist. Yeah. Well, you hold it yourself. Yeah, you just sort of like can put it in and get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'd misuse that if I ever let me anywhere near it. Oh, no, it's I, tiny. So, yes, it would be perfect. The lady that was handling that was jammering my... Uh, lo- she was pulling my lower labia into my lower toothy pegs. And I didn't like the what? feeling. Lower labia, pulled, which means lip, pulled into my toothy pegs. Right. I didn't like it. I thought she should have been a bit more delicate. I would have liked to have controlled my own mouth hoover. But like uh, the lady, delicate fingers lady, Dr. Josephine, I think she's called, I goes to, I communicated to her using sort of mime and grunts. Yes. Let me have a look inside the tooth. I How? saw it so and it showed you a little mirror like a hairdresser yeah. showing you the back of your head. I looked inside, mate, and I saw the full horrors. It was like a Anglo-Saxon ruined fort. Dang. Really? It was falling apart in there, just all scattered oh, crap. Were these um, metal fillings, uh, amalgam fillings, or were they those white fillings? Those were them old ones from yesteryear. Oh, oh they're this- full of radiation and mercury. I know, and that's where I get my superpowers from. Not radiation, but she's replaced but it. She's replaced it with... You know, when they remove those, they're meant to wear, like, they're meant to, like, put a dam to stop stuff going down your throat, because it's mercury, the most poisonous substance known to human beings okay. we have in our mouths. Thank you, Britain. Thank you, Thatcher. You are filling our little goblets with poison. It's bad, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is out of order. If you start Googling it, you'll go mad. You know, like, don't you wince a bit when you have the... In- when I was having the injection, I was a bit wincy willow. Injection. Oh, what, in the gum? The numb gum. Yeah. It's nice to have a numb gum, because it reminds you of, you know, sort of... If ever there's a time to talk about having a numb mouth, it's over Noel Gallagher's birthday weekend. <laughs> it reminded me of happier times, the old gums numbed up all nicely. What, on drugs? Dentist drugs. Oh, right. Like the dentist, you know, you get you get a nice numb gob, don't you? And yeah. you think, oh, I don't like that. that. takes me back. Why? Because the mouth feels massive. Yeah, but just let it go, accept it. I told you once, I had I had that numb mouth thing, and I had all bits of like stuff in my mouth, like mm. little crumbs of tooth or whatever it was. And I was mm. walking down the pavement, and I thought, I've got a spit. And, I went, and there was this woman walking towards me, I was like, I've got a spit. <laughs> and I just went, <laughs> <laughs> and because I didn't know what my mouth, what I didn't have any sensation in my mouth, I thought I'd done a normal spit onto the floor. Yeah. I just, <laughs> she must have been watching me walking towards her. And it just suddenly went, <laughs> and <laughs> spat all over my face. You drooled at her. Well, not even drool, it was forceful. I went, <laughs> <laughs> you still fanny farted out of your it. face. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Tony. <laughs> That's the bus coming. I say more where that came from. I say what? It's not a new thing. Look me up. Don't forget. Don't forget this face. If you want my number. But when you, but your mouth feels about ten times bigger, doesn't it? Everything feels all massive and numb. Yeah. How can you does. enjoy that? Because I like letting go of it. Who wants to be... In, I mean, it's just nice to be numbed out just for a few moments, and that's what we offer on Radio X. Two hours <laughs> of numbness. Let's <laughs> listen to some adverts, see if that puts things in too much perspective. Minions, with Sky Broadband Super Fast, you can do all your favourite things, well, super fast. You can stream, swipe, like, play, post, pin, poke, tag, add, tweet and TikTok. <gasps> speedy. Sky Broadband Super Fast is super speedy and so reliable, we guarantee your speed or money back. It's minion proof. Sky, believe in better. Sky Fiber Aries only. Speeds vary by location. Average download speed 59 megabits per second. Speed measure to hub must drop below min download speed for three consecutive days. One month subscription refund. Claim up to twice in min term after first fortnight. See sky.com. Russell Brand. Radio X. You're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. This is a pre-recorded show because we are celebrating... Half a century of Noel Gallagher. Oh, yeah, the hat. The baseball cap. Yeah, yeah, backwards. Backwards baseball hat. (laughs) That's actually lifted it a bit. What do you mean, lifted it a bit? Well, it's given you a sort of, like, you could possibly be a drug dealer, not Hello? just a music teacher. Can I offer you some drugs at all? I mean, like, you, yeah, I'm, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have agreed to it. I've lost out, because I think you look nice. But that's possibly my own narcissism. All right, so, look, one of the great concerns of people of the earth... <laughs> there's no way of making this hat look cool, I'll tell you that. Like one of the great great concerns that people have is that Elvis Presley is slipping from the public consciousness, meaning that Elvis impersonators everywhere. No, this isn't my normal clothes. People are at the window and they're going to think this is my normal clothes. Yeah, those what are my normal clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dressed up. I'm in costume. This is not the real I'm me. In costume. I'd rather be dressed as Huckleberry Finn. I'd rather be dressed. See, as this Fred is interesting because I think mm. it actually. You always talk about, oh, the self and blah, 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 yeah, the, self, and the universe yeah. and the all illusion. not yeah, real. Yeah, the universe, nothing's real. Yeah. Right. You've got so much, like, you desperately can't look like everyone else, right? Oh, I'm not God, saying that's a bad thing. It. But now, at the moment, because you sort of, you're blending, it's like you're being sucked down a plug of normality, isn't it? Look at you. I'm sucked down a plug. This is like my inner essence is all attached my, to just... What you're the doing, you're... I have the opposite feeling. Like, if I had to go home like this... 
I think I'd have to phone my wife and go talk to me on the phone because I'm very self-conscious. Dressed <laughs> as Russell. Well, no one, no one would. If I was walking, no one would go. You're dressed as Russell Brand. They wouldn't. They'd just think there's a guy. Look at this guy. They, I, they, if... I think. Do you know? What they think. I think they think you're Australian. Yeah, yeah. I look, Let's say you're yeah. an Australian. That's what they think. Look, we can't leave Elvis hanging on the line for this amount of time. It's out of order. But you're quite right, Matthew. For someone who says that, well, perhaps no, but in a way that that is case in point. I am always talking about connection to materialism and attachment to material. The same way as I don't take drugs anymore, not because I'm better, but because I'm worse. Because I'm would be more vain, more narcissistic, more attached to material things, more greedy, more anyway, self. But you need to let go of the material. You're attached to those little scum bits in the wine glass, right? You should let go of the little scum buckets in the wine glass they, and become they the say, pure grapes. Of course. Uh, they say only the uh, only really sick people become Trappist monks. Only really sick people look for enlightenment. If you didn't feel if you didn't feel it strongly, you just you think, know what? I'm all right. It seems on. much more mad when you start going on your rants, right? Does it? Wearing now? those clothes. Because when you're wearing the robes, you just think, oh, he's probably really spiritual. I'll, I'll sort of <laughs> go with it. When you're dressed like an ordinary Joe, you think, there's someone looking for you. There's <laughs> <laughs> someone <laughs> with a scanner looking for you, mate. Come on, let's talk to Elvis. Come on, talk to Elvis. Sorry about that, James. We got caught up because uh, two men in yeah. middle age have swapped tops and it's baffled <laughs> them beyond belief. Are you all right there, mate? Thanks for coming on I'm, the line. That's all right. No, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Hold um, on a minute. Like you can't you... be an Elvis tribute act. You, just, you sound like the most, you sound like a painter and decorator. You sound like you're talking to us from a van. Oh, uh, yeah? I'm, uh, no, I'm actually talking to you from my spare room, um, getting ready for a, a gig tonight. Spare room? Uh, I'm just putting the lyrics together and stuff like that. But no, what are you, I. Uh, what are you up to tonight, mate? Uh, I've got a 30th birthday party. And, 30th uh, birthday? That's relatively yeah. young for someone to be interested in Elvis. Hmm. Well, no, you see, you say that, but um, I've just come back from a uh, Elvis competition uh, hmm. that was held up in Wakefield, and uh, there were. Four Elvis tribute acts there, all under thirteen. Uh, another one of four. <laughs> little yeah, tiny no, Elvises. Yeah, little mini Elvises. And oh. um, there's a fella who was fourteen who does the sort of fifties uh, Elvis. And the bloke who won, the new King of Britain, mm. um, was twenty-two. He can't use that f to have any jurisdiction over law or parliament, though, can he? The the new twenty-two-year-old Elvis. And what, what, can I ask you as well, James? What yeah. era of Elvis is the defining? Because we part of the reason we want to talk to you. One is because we've yeah. uh, just Elvis has just come up. But another another reason is because they say Elvis is slipping from the uh, public consciousness. He's becoming Elvis is becoming a, like a literal ghost. It, like because Elvis is a person that's defied death in many ways. But uh, yeah. what, one of the things I'd like to know is. What is the defining image of Elvis? Is it young Sun Records Elvis? Is it golden sparkly jacket Elvis? Is it 68 comeback special Elvis? Or is it Vegas Elvis? What is the well, Elvis think, that abides? I think the Vegas Elvis is the one that's probably the most um, parodied, shall we say. But that's interesting um, because Elvis had become a kind of a self-parody by that stage. Elvis had sort of had exact, don't you think? I mean, that was... Well, it depends what period you're talking about. I mean, maybe from sort of 76 onwards. But if you look at 69 through to about 74, you know, there was still that, that massive force. And, and that it really is kind of the period that I, I favour. Um, you like that? Why do you like that Elvis best, mate? I don't know. I just, I love the songs. I love the style. Um, I love the clothes. Talking about you lot swapping clothes and stuff. Mm. There are actually people out there who will 
dress in Elvis leisure wear. So, Elvis, um, what did Elv- Elvis, what did Elvis wear, wear what, at repose? A uh, relaxed Elvis. He would wear he would wear puffy. This is I'm talking about in the in the sort of late sixties through the seventies. Puffy uh, sleeve shirts at home. Uh, with Napoleonic collars. Right, I'm just going to relax um, and I'm wearing a little bit of television. Get my puffy shirt and all <laughs> a piece of the baby. Usually in Paisley. Oh, is moist, man. Oh, he wore tracksuits. Yeah, uh, if there was a few tracksuits being worn, usually drug enforcement agency tracksuits. What do you mean? So, uh, well, yeah. he got a, uh, a tracksuit from the drug enforcement agency. Hey, give me one of those uh, tracksuits from the drug enforcement agency. Maybe I want to wear that at home. Do you think I'm doing quite a good Elvis impression there, that's James? Actually, that's actually Please pretty tell good. Me, yes. You know, I don't use Elvis's accent when I go on stage. What you do uh, then? All right, yeah, mate, I'm here to Elvis Presley, the pop star. <laughs> well, yeah, you might know him. <laughs> I don't go quite as uh, North London as that. Um, but I I sort of put in a slight accent, but I don't do the whole, hello, baby, thank you very much, because I think that's a bit sort of stereotypical. And I just yeah, but you're being no. Elvis. You can't go, no, I won't have Elvis stereotyped. Not in these contentious times. Elvis can be as diverse as he wants to be. He's bloody Elvis. He's got to be the Elvis that he actually is, isn't he? Well, I try and... I try and get across the spirit of Elvis rather Ooh. than this kind of cash-on-delivery... Uh, You're like an Elvis connoisseur. Elvis's yeah, essence, the essential Elvis. Go on, yeah, then. I, kinda, I, I prefer that. Although I won't go as far as, as dressing up in Elvis leisure wear. Hold on, mate. He won't dress, dress as Elvis. Won't do, won't do his voice. What kind of Elvis impersonator <laughs> are you? You're like a conceptual artist who just... What do you do? Shout the word Elvis in a seashell and throw it through a window and go home. <laughs> and now Elvis Presley... <laughs> we remember no. you, people of Dunkirk. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like when people ring me up for a booking, they say, hello, is that Elvis? Yeah, and that's what I we wanted to, say, to do. I have to say, well, it's not Elvis. My name's James. You know, I can't, I can't pretend to be... Oh, I mean, you can't pretend to be Elvis. You're an Elvis no. impersonator. But yeah, probably when just... I'm on stage for an hour or, or 45 minutes or however long it is, then yes, I sort of imbue the essence of Elvis Ooh, over to my audience son. or whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't sort of... I, I don't like your approach to Elvis. Elvis. I don't. If someone finds up and goes, is that Elvis? He, All right, mate. He's dead, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Let That's him go. Let Elvis yeah. rest. We've got Matt Morgan now. Elvis's soul <laughs> distilled into a boy from Kent in 1977. <laughs> Mate, will you do a bit of, uh, in honour of uh, Noel Gallagher, who's been yeah. here for half of what we can only call a century, you could mm-hmm. sing, would you do a bit of a, an Oasis song in an Elvis voice? Or is that not, is that too Elvisy for you? <laughs> <laughs> is that too Elvisy for an Elvis tribute artist? Uh, yeah, I suppose I can do that. Uh, what, oh, what songs do I think? <laughs> Wonderwall? Uh, I mean, so it's got to be something everyone knows the lyrics to. It's or, got to be easy. Uh, um, slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. What's that called again? Don't look back in anger. No. Champagne Supernova. Champagne Supernova. I'm Googling as we speak the lyrics to Wonderwall. Can you believe that? Okay, yeah. You're using yeah. the so internet. Go. I've got them up. I've got them up in front of me right now. You're a good radio, <laughs> you, aren't you? You're very oh, professional. Like, Absolutely, mate. I mean, you've got right, to... I'm Googling it. I've got it up. I've got it up. <laughs> right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. Ooh. 
And he's taken Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher's jobs in one single refrain. Oh, that was really oh, good. Fantastic. That was fantastic. nice, man. What I also liked is you were actually, you do capture, as you say, the essence of Elvis. I felt well, thank the, you. the sexiness. That's what I try and do. I try and, I try and combine his and my personalities on stage. So you get the best of both. I've never spoken to an Elvis uh, tribute act who's got such an understanding of the art form. You're well, just, thank you very much. You're so I mean, delicate. I also uh, offer painting you, decorating. Even thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. Don't even say thank you very much in an Elvis voice. Thank you no, very no, no. much, thank mate. Thank you a lot. <laughs> Thanks for that, pal. <laughs> even when it's yeah, gold. Yeah, cheers, son. That's <laughs> blinding. Thanks ever so much. And, uh, and there he is. Elvis Presley. And out painting and decorating quotes as well. So as Elvis all... Presley used to say, go on, son, get you. <laughs> what do you think about Elvis Presley, uh, you know, wanting to snitch people out to Nixon and that? You know, he offered himself up as a sort of a countercultural spy. I'm a pop yeah, star, did, baby. I can reach in that world. I'll spy on those Beatles for you, baby. Uh-huh. He did say something oh, like that. No, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what was going through Elvis's brain. Uh, drugs, wasn't it? 70s. Pharmaceutical drugs. Loads and well, loads of drugs. Main, mainly, it, yeah, I'm I'm glad you said pharmaceuticals and not street drugs, because... I know, but, oddly, like, but what's the worst thing? Like, why is it better to buy your drugs out of a chemist than a sh- that off of some entrepreneurial young man under a bridge, <laughs> just, a real I go-getter? Know, I don't know. I suppose he, I suppose he thought that uh, street drugs, recreational drugs like heroin and cocaine and stuff like that, were, Beneath were bad, whereas mm. because he was getting them from a doctor, Didn't he probably felt chemist. they were more justified. I, I have no idea. Where did Elvis get this snobbery? He was born in a bloody hut, wasn't he? By, by he river. was. He was born in a shop. Gun shack somewhere, yeah. Go on, Elvis. You could yeah. do it, son. Let's get behind this Elvis Presley guy, I say. Bring him back. Bring him back as a hologram, voiced and peopled by you. That'll One of the great that Elvis. I'd love to do that, mate. I'd love to do that. Like some sort of Orwellian 1984 Big Brother type. What? That's but exactly what we want. A dystopian that's... Elvis distraction, where Elvis <laughs> trots back out into, into the spectacle again, hypnotises yeah, yeah. the world's population, and distracts us from what's real and important. And on that note, what makes Radio Run? It's adverts. Radio X. Russell Brand. That was some adverts. You're listening to me, Russell Brand, on Radio X with Matt Morgan, dressed up as a version of me, just looks like an Australian person who's perhaps done some military service and has become disenchanted with mm. the system now. The backstory. Conspiracy theorist, like Australian, called like some sort of nicknamey name, Taz, Daz, Riz Raz, one of those sort of one-syllable names with a Z or an X in it. Uh, that's what he looks like. Mr G's there, beaving away at poetry. Sexy. Mm, you, you're sexy Australian. And James Burrell is here, who's uh, the world's, I would say, most refined Elvis impersonator, talking about <laughs> Elvis as a cultural phenomenon. Don't wear sunglasses on stage because Elvis never did. Great. Yeah, that's a direct quote from my website, yeah. He will not wear sunglasses because Elvis no. never did. On you, stage. No. Have you ever had sex as Elvis? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, you have, haven't you? I could tell from the U. Uh, Oh, mm. would have been a direct no, no, no. flat no. Yeah, well, what would you no, ask? No. I'm outraged. I've, How dare I've, you? I've, I've done it um, without the jumpsuit, but I have kept the cape on. That's good. That's how to do it. You can't you have sex the with a jumpsuit on. There you go, yeah, people. well, the only problem well, is with that is that they, they're, they're studded, you see, and they get very spiky, <laughs> and so they can they can cut you in places that you wouldn't imagine. I, I, I'm imagining them, James. Somebody, you know. 
very, uh, you're a bit of a brutal lover there, James. Oh, yes, I am, especially when I'm covered in rhinestones. <laughs> oh, um, that's the way to do it. <laughs> do, you do, the, do you do the kung fu moves? Uh, I, do you know what? I wish I could, but my, um, my what do they call hamstrings just aren't <laughs> <laughs> hamstrings? <laughs> hamstrings aren't involved in the karate chop. Oh, mate, I'd like to chops, do a little bit of karate. Be, be, be. No, no, he used to do the leg kicks, like little high kicks and stuff. That's one. Yeah. Have you ever done it? Worn a judo suit and been karate Elvis? Uh, no, I've, I did ninjutsu when I was 16, Ooh. and uh, I try Didn't and incorporate a little bit of that into my act, but the audience don't like the throwing stars that I, I throw out. As Cowards! Well, you know. They need to commit to Elvis, is what I will say. <laughs> James, thank you very much for coming on, to, on the line and giving us such a, a, an elegant and nuanced view of Elvis tribute acts, and may dead Elvis live on. Dead Elvis will live forever. Thanks, James. Cheers, Take it mate. easy, mate. Thank you. James. Cheers, Russell. Lovely bloke. What a lovely fellow he was. I bet, because it's 40 you years since he died. I Something <laughs> rotten there, didn't you? In front of pretend. You showed you yourself can... up as you always do. How? What did I do wrong? Sexualising everything. Have you ever had sex as Elvis? Yeah. Uh. Disgusting, dirty little question. But do you remember that documentary where um, was it? I think Elvis came out of a hotel and he said he just met a prostitute and he just goes to his friend, just goes, um, you know that prostitute showed me. She gave tremendous head, tremendous head. Yes, I do remember that. I remember thinking it was insensitive of Elvis <laughs> <laughs> to have said it. Now, I'm, I'm touching, the, while doing the interview, as I like to, as you know, Matthew, I like to touch my genitals. Now, now doing that while wearing your garments means I'm reaching through a sodden, so, sort of like a sodden, sodden wee soiled that. <laughs> I think defecating in this outfit could only improve it. Oh, oh no, I'm only joking. It's nice. Oh, then I'd have to go home dressed as an idiot, carrying pooey clothes. <laughs> hey, listen, I think what we've learned. And basically, it's nothing. But if we were going to say that we would learn something for some reason, you know, to provide a shape to the show, we would say that. Uh, the essential self can correlate to the more basic material objects. I mean, actually, I'm starting to find you quite intimidating, dressed like me. Yeah, I do look a bit more... You look like you, look like you could have a fight. Oh, I can. What, in this character? Oh, not, not as this character, because I might see myself in a what shop I'm window saying... while the fight's going on. I think, oh, God. Whereas I look like... I tell you what I look like as a delivery man, isn't it? Like, a, like someone who's making ends meet with deliveries. Like, yeah. oh, mate, I need you to sign for that. Oh, can't you just take it without signing? Sorry, mate, no, you've got to sign for it. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to sign. Isn't there a sort of, don't you ever feel like being anonymous? Never. It's never happened. Because yeah, I was quite interested in you buying one of those super realistic You're always latex trying to masks. get me to buy super realistic Then you could walk around masks. and go anywhere without the herd of people going, Russell, Russell, Russell. I do do that. I do do it. Just go France. No one gives you monkeys. It's nice. I can just walk around without putting on these cargo pants <laughs> <laughs> they're not cargo but they're well, Dickie's shorts oh Dickie I've got to give them back to Dickie very soon <laughs> Dickie you have betrayed us Dickie we hardly knew you Dickie <laughs> you had so much to offer and we sexualised you again my little body. All right, well, that's, uh, I'd call that some uh, a wonderful interview that we done with James Burrell there. It was good, actually, and it was insightful, and I'm very interested to see a 14-year-old Elvis. So am I. What an odd also, concept. I'd like it if one of the 14-year-olds did fat, nearly dead Elvis, because it would be a bold choice, but also <laughs> it would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, like a little 14-year-old with wheezing. so much to live for, wheezing and coughing, big handful of tablets. Sat on a toilet. Say, oh, I've had enough of this. Hey, President Nixon, you want me to help you bring these beatniks in a line? When I, when I hear things like that, don't you think that their parents are really big, like someone's pushed yeah. them into that? Because they haven't come home from school and gone, 
up yours, parents. I found this guy called Elvis Presley. <laughs> you don't understand me, but Elvis does. Do you know what this house is like? Heartbreak bloody hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Mannequin in Vegas hotel room causes shock and injury. A tourist from Southern South Africa is suing. What? These are just words that I'm inventing. A tourist from South Southern. No, no, hold on a minute. Who is this guy? He's a mystery man. Southern California is suing a Las Vegas strip hotel. A strip hotel. Oh, no, sorry, it's on the strip. <laughs> I was about to judge that place. A strip hotel, and where is this palace oh, of sin? So I can place up. Right, let's go there and have it bloody closed oh, down. That'd be awful, a strip hotel. Dirty, dirty strip hotel. Can I come in and clean your room? Yes. Yes, you better. It's very messy. I don't think it's oh, going to get you more of oh, it. It's so expensive, isn't it? Yeah, you can't afford a strip pound hotel. Here and there. Yeah, no, no, no. It'd be bad for you spiritually as well, if I may say so, as a man oh, wearing a simple oh, black t-shirt. Nice times in strip clubs, and sometimes, if you get talking to the strippers, they like it. What's the point? They <laughs> like it. They make loads of money. Well, listen, mate, you won't I'm find not, anyone I'm not saying more. all of them do, but like, you can't just damn them all to like misery. Mate, you're making a very interesting... Well, I'm going to make an interesting point about self here, <clears throat> and here it comes. Because who is it inside your head that's deciding what you like and don't like, and according to what influences, who is it that's put you in this position? I mean, all you need to do is put me in a black T-shirt, and, and an entire identity begins to unravel. Well, so, so if a woman goes, oh, I like this job, I'll make loads of money, and I'm going to do it for a couple of years and then stop, you go, go you don't know who you are. You're talking rubbish. I th not particularly and especially and singularly in that context, but I think we all have to question what are the components of the self, particularly as the self, it seems, is primarily a reaction to biochemical influences in reaction to culture. So, like, why would you ever find yourself in any kind like, really, what is free will? What is the self? The whole thing is a bloody construct. And if you uh, doubt that, have a little look at me and Dickies, and uh, any doubts you have will melt away. Kent Jacobs Bootwell <laughs> claimed that he found a life-sized <laughs> a life-sized mannequin in his darker room that was the size of life. It must have been enormous. It encompassed the Amazon yeah. jungle, the ocean. Crazy. It was the, the concept of life. <laughs> it can't be as big as life. Life's enormous, but also so small. Life, uh, this life-sized mannequin in his darkened room caused him to flee and suffer injuries. So he just saw a silhouette and bolted. And his name is Bootwell. He filed a, a lawsuit against Planet Hollywood Casinos. Well, there's the thing, isn't it? Well, he wants damages. He saw it and thought, is that a person? Oh, it's a, it's a mannequin. Oh, hello. That's a bit weird. I I'm going to run into that wall and try and get rich. <laughs> oh, we're always, actually, a lot of the stories we focus on, which are selected by Gareth, I imagine, are they, Gal? They are often idiots encountering phenomena. Like, what about that man who fought a Yeti, duffed him up? Yeah, well, yeah. He's a cry for help. He is, isn't it? I found myself in a radio studio with two men dressed in each other's outfits. For God's sake, won't somebody love me? Also, Gareth is available on the sex market. <laughs> he's single. And, re and is he? Handsome. I mean, Charming. He, he doesn't look happy now, though, does an old David. Well, he's being polite, isn't he? Oh. He's suffering this. He's gorgeous. This man, anyway, that may, as far as I, I can, as far as we can tell, is a, a simulacrum of of Gareth himself. Says uh, that there are two thousand five hundred hotel rooms. Oh, they're in. Hold on a sec. There's mannequins in all of their rooms. Is there? No, it says they have. It's like rock memorabilia. So it's probably a mannequin dressed up as like it's Elvis, perhaps Elvis, even yeah. which could be anything. Now, how can he be shocked and surprised by it? Because 
if he's come into his darkened hotel room in like at night, right? Mm. So he's obviously been in there already. Right. Has he? Miss it. Unless he's arriving. He's, he's had been a nice installed flight. after he's been after he's gone in, put his bag in and gone out. Bootwell, I don't trust you. He was shocked and surprised by a human figure when he entered his darkened hotel room. It, it turned out the human figure was a mannequin wearing Miller Lite, a Miller Lite racing suit. Well, that's not good, is it? At least it, it could have at least been Marilyn Monroe or someone. Yeah. Someone that would get like be somewhat titillating. They were locked in a glass cabinet. Hold on a minute. He what? suffered undefined... What would define them? The I lawsuit can't. claims he suffered undefined injuries to his I body, can't define these limbs, injuries. Who organs. Can? Listen to this. His body, limbs, organs, mind and nervous systems. Oh, my systems. My systems <laughs> have been I can't define what's happened to them. I can't say. Language is too blunt a tool to define these injuries that I've done to my systems. The lawsuit claims a life-sized human figure in a darkened room is dangerous and hazardous and Planet Hollywood should warn its customers about the mannequins. Yeah, well, in a way, this man has taken He's the living joy. living on the edge. If he comes into a darkened hotel room, sees a man in, well, a figure in a glass box and yeah. runs so hard into a wall, he suffers damage to his organs, mind and nervous system. I'm going to Vegas, baby! I'm going to live it up! Oh, there's a silhouette! <laughs> shut down! Shut down systems! All systems shutting down! <laughs> what just happened to you? I can't define that. I, I can, I can I, never I, define I, it, but no, I'd like two million pounds. I've drawn a picture here of what I think it is. It's a collaboration with Jackson Pollock. This squiggle here is my nervous system being ruined. Now give me my money! <laughs> it's all for money. It's so, always for money. And on that note, here comes a little man called Bradley Advert with a message that he's invented just for you. Russell Brand Radio X. That was Muse. Dig down, dig down, dig down with Muse. Dig down with Muse, Muse, dig down. Should we, uh, Matthew? Swap back. Should we go put our normal clothes on now? <laughs> Have you adjusted? <laughs> I wouldn't to it? describe yours as normal. <laughs> You've I'm still intrigued about this bum bag, which you went all weird about. I got that on the in France. Yeah, but why? You look shifty. Like I'm was, not shifty. It's, it's completely what, yeah, it's like what? a weird little slip of a bum bag, like a little mm. g-string with two tiny little zip areas. It's my pockets. bum bag. It's my mate. All right, mate. How's it going? What? Oh no, see, he doesn't even recognise me I in just... these normal clothes. My mate <laughs> was doing. Me and he thought I'd rather be yeah, friends with me that guy. Way. He's me. Of course, he wants to be friends with you. You're dressed like a go-getter. You're like a man on the edge of the periphery of society. This silly outfit could get me into places that I could normally not get into wearing my own clothes. I bet it does, mate. Like, look at the way that the fella looks clean. Just look to me like, hey, that guy must be famous. <laughs> what to Why else would he, he be dressing like he's bill. on a beach in the middle of a town? <laughs> come on, mate. Let's change back. Let's change back to our just normal tell me, oh, before, just wait the end of the show. Before no, we on, switch back, just wait. What is this little bum bag Bring for? Bring it back. What do you put in it? Um, Dog treats or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's treats. an honest question. I'm not like that sort of a person. You've I'm not a dog streets person. You went so shifty when I Look, highlighted give us me it. Bum bag. Is that is that your wallet? Because you haven't got pockets in your little Maharishi pants. Me now, bum bag. No one will ever hurt us again. Will, <laughs> will they make any inquiries about my usage? No, they won't. No one will ever know what the is truth. It? Of what it's for joggers. It. I wear that when I'm out and about doing my rounds. When I'm doing my bits and bobs. All right. <laughs> we don't know what that's for. What? Oh. No one need ever know. I got it in France, an holiday, down a market. Keep saying that. <laughs> what do you put in it? What have you used it for? Why do you when need you to go know running? That private That's business. the sort of thing people wear when they go running, they put their keys in. Is that what That's it is? That's it, just my keys. Just oh, running. I'm just God. running along with some keys. I think that should be sent off to a lab. 
No, I just use it for my bits and bobs. Now, come on, give us me, give us me clothes. Give Nanny a clothes. You've had a bit of fun now, but do give Nanny back her stuff. That's Nanny's medicine. Now, that's Nanny's channel. Put it back on Nanny's channel. Okay, focus. <laughs> now I'm wearing your socks. I'm just in pants. Get my socks off. Get my socks off. I've got, Get my I socks off, I'm wearing your I want my normal identity Rubbing my toes on these flip Get my socks off. Get my socks off, Russell. Okay. I want my normal People identity People are listening back. to this, probably. Sorry about that. If you're listening if to this... they've come home <laughs> early. <laughs> I can only apologise to you. Come on, get round here. I don't want to get naked in this room. We just were naked Again. in this room. Again. Get round, here he comes, look. Right. Do you want my socks off, dear darling? I've got used to them. Oh, you don't wear them well. Well, no, I never bothered to... Like little snoopy noses on the end. <laughs> you can't even pull them on right. I didn't, but I didn't want to pull old lefty up. I feel oh, it. Oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's go back to our normal lives now, Matt. Please. We've, we've done enough. I've had a glimpse behind the looking glass. What did you think of it behind the looking glass? Oh, nice, isn't it? Oh, it's nice wearing sunglasses. See? That's right, it's not bad to be old Russ. Get me old Nick Cage Ganesh back on. Get me Christian Cross back on. Oh yeah, now we're talking. This is what it's like to be a human. This is what it's like to be a man. It was a good experiment. Well, it lasted. Next week, our wives. You <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. No, no, no. We mustn't swap relatives, must we? No. That's not how the world works. We can't do that, Matt, can we? No. Certainly not. All right, give us a bit of... <laughs> Gauntlet. Look at you with your jaw judo trousers on. They don't look right on you. Where do you buy things You look like you'd work in a kitchen. I got them off of <laughs> India. Give us some here. Give us me flippity flops. <laughs> Which is what I call my... I like those. Thank you. The Everything's... Right, go and put your clothes back on. I bet you're 100% more charismatic, aren't they, now, when you put them on? Hmm? Do you feel better? Well, this one's got BO on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Do you know what? When I was in Glastonbury, which I was, I bought one of those deodorants, what's like a crystal stick, and it's lasted for ages. And that is probably why. You're always claiming credit. Look, you're going past all barefoot, like a man shuffling home after a date that went terribly wrong. I told you about it with his shoes in his hands. That's someone who's been expelled. Off you go. Oh, there it was. I'm back to normal. A man, oh, that's the stuff. Nipples out, looking absolutely fantastic. What better way to summarise these events than using poetry in the mouth and mind of a man who uses the form so well? It's Mr G, Poet Laureate of the show, with a summary of what we call entertainment. You can call it what you like. Okay, this poem's called Wardrobe Malfunctions. Mm. You can't solve a Rubik's Cube by only favouring one side where one viewpoint looks complete and the other five seem denied. The shades that we discover as we peruse through the aisles, hoping to uncover the truth in what we buy. Our costumes are our armour, our defence, our guise, because our naked aura can't go on together with our suspicious minds. <laughs> Should we don our enemy skin to exchange the chaos within, but our tongues still hold all our secrets while our mouths are numbed by such sin? Hopefully the problems we attempt to solve will offer some truth to our resolve. Two hours of debunking all solutions, but with a desire to evolve. Russell Brand. Radio X. X.